Welcome back to another episode of How to Make a Living with Music. In this video, I had the opportunity to talk to someone known as Tom Dupree III, and he has an awesome history where he was actually signed to a record label, and he's toured with major artists. He's played arenas to over 30,000 people, and he's made a living with music, like completely with music. Now, he, he does it in a unique way through a service called Soundbetter, where he gets to just play and record drums all day, and it's, it's, it's a pretty unique way that I think a lot of artists don't realize they can take advantage of. You don't, it's not like just being an artist is the only way. He gets to play drums, doing what he loves for a living. So I was very glad that he was willing to come to the channel and kind of explain how he does it. So maybe you can find out that that's a great option for you. Along the way, we cover a whole bunch of other stuff like his background and, and like going to college and stuff like that. But I think you'll get a ton of value out of this video. And if you do, uh, make sure to subscribe, but also make sure to check out Tom's uh, YouTube channel where he covers a lot of the same stuff, like testing out how he's marketing his music on his channel. So I think if you like my channel, you like his channel too. There'll be links at the end of the video in the end cards. And again, also in the description as well. So I hope you enjoy and yeah, see you later. Awesome, man. So uh, for the purpose of everyone on my channel who doesn't know you yet, uh, give them kind of like a you know couple paragraph background on who you are and what you do, what you're all about. So my name is Tom. My name is Tom Dupree III. Uh, a lot of people call me Tom Dupree III. That's fine too. Uh, <laughs> I am <laughs> predominantly a drummer. I've been a drummer since I was nine and I'm 35 now, so long time. Wow. And yeah, and <laughs> I have been a professional musician for... I guess 12 years now. I've, I've played all through high school and played all through college. And when I got out of college, I decided I wanted to pursue it full time. And yeah. I got out of school, moved to LA because I thought that was what you're supposed to do. I grew up in Georgia, so I moved all across the country to LA. <laughs> and I liked LA for six months. And then a year after that, I was like, man, I'm just not feeling it. it just wasn't my vibe. So I came to Nashville Oddly enough, not for mm. country music. I don't really play country music hardly ever. Um, it's good because I, I kind of, um, you know, don't spread this around, but I kind of hate country music. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say I'm not the biggest fan of it either. I did do, I feel like I put it this way, I did my time in country <laughs> as a Nashville <laughs> musician. Uh, yeah. I, did, I did a few years worth of time in country and... At the time, I was like, man, I just, I need a job. I'm tired of waiting tables. And because I had, I had been in a band right when I moved here. I put up a video that is stupidly since been taken down. I posted a video. The first video I did on YouTube was in 2007. It was a drum solo. And I put that wow. on Craigslist. This is a very different world at the time, obviously. I put a yeah. link to that on Craigslist. And it was like looking for a band. And this band found me. And I joined the band like a month after I moved here. And we ended up, like, long story short, with a record deal with Universal Republic by the end of that year. So it was wow. a, like, crazy whirlwind from the time I moved to Nashville to the time uh, that happened. And I was in that band for a couple more years. We did the whole, like, $100,000 record thing. Chris Lord Algie mixed the singles. It was awesome. And then Oh, they wow. Never, he, he's yeah. like a legend in the mixing world. Yeah, he's like the guy in rock. If you want somebody <laughs> yeah. to mix your record, it's him. So he mixed the singles. They sounded insane, uh, as you can imagine. And then they never released the record, which totally sucked. Wow. And we were stuck in the deal, and we were stuck in the deal for another year. 
we, I mean, they gave us all these promises. We're going to put you on tour. You're going to be in supporting slots. We're going to put out the record. We're going to do this single, then this single. Had a whole plan, and like literally none of it happened. So we were super bummed. I had to get a job waiting tables again, and I had a record deal with Universal Public and was waiting tables on Broadway in Nashville. <laughs> and we would sit for like our like team meetings before the shift starts, and. My boss was one time was like, you know, while you're here, I want you to be here. I want you to work. I hope, you know, whatever it is you're trying to do comes true. I hope your band gets a record deal. I hope you do this. And I was like, head in my hands, like, I have a record deal. And I'm still here. Why am I here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, so Jeez, anyway. That, that's a super, like, I mean, I feel like that's kind of common where someone gets a record deal and they just, it it's, it's not as glorious as people imagine it like most bands have record deals and yeah. still fail which it is sucks. unfortunately all too common it's yeah. getting a record deal i think is amongst like the indie music world is seen as like the goal and yeah. once you get the record deal everything's good after that i've hit easy street but in reality getting a record deal is like getting into college <laughs> the hard work just begins all this work you thought was hard beforehand is a joke compared to what you're about to have to go through and it doesn't even yeah. mean you'll get a diploma in our case we paid our money and the professor just didn't show up <laughs> it's like all right well i guess we're not going to go to that class anymore but we still have to pay tuition so that's kind of what wow. a record deal is like and if you're lucky the professor does show up and then the one after that and then eventually you end up in a point where you can start you can start making some decisions for yourself but if i mean like i don't i'm not going to dog anybody like who we worked with cuz everybody was cool like everybody who worked with us in the studio was amazing i learned so much from that experience of cutting that record P yeah. particularly we did three singles with Josh Abraham and he's produced bands like Stain and Linkin Park and Lip Biscuit and um, like Velvet Revolver like all kinds of crazy stuff and Ryan Williams engineered it and he's done a ton of stuff like 30 Seconds to Mars and it, I think he worked on Equimini for Outcast, like crazy cool <laughs> stuff and so they were rad and then the guy who signed us, Jason Flom is the guy who signed about a quarter of the major catalog that exists on radio at any given time. And he was super cool to us too. Like he wasn't a jerk. It just, he had a, there was a thing going on, I think outside of us that we didn't know anything about. And it just ended up not working. Like even Jason was really cool about it when he finally let us go. He was like apologetic. Like, man, I'm sorry. I, this just didn't work. So yeah. it, like I can't, you can't point your finger at anybody and be like, man, you screwed us. Cause it's not, that's not what happened. It just, yeah, it just didn't work, which is super frustrating. It's like, they're your dreams. Bye. <laughs> yeah. That, that's almost worse than not getting the deal in the first place. Cause it's like, you had yeah. it, you kind of, you felt like you made it. And then in reality, you, you know, you, the college example is a nice way to look at it. Like you, you yeah. got to a place where, uh, you kind of just getting started and then it, it just kind of flopped. And then it's almost like going to college and then getting kicked out of college you know right uh, exactly yeah so it was like, i mean i feel like i've sufficiently name dropped and look like a douche now but it was <laughs> a really informative experience in my career and uh yeah i mean it set me up for success after that in a big way because i learned so much and it also like 
put a lot of wind in my sails to be like, hey, I can compete. Like, I can do this. Right, yeah. Some, somebody saw something in me and my bandmates that was worth something. So clearly I'm doing something right. I need to keep going. If I don't, I right. think if not for that experience, I not necessarily would have given up, but I surely wouldn't have believed in myself as heavily and as soon as I did, I think. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same way. Like when I was 18, uh, the only school I applied to was Berklee College of Music. So I was big in guitar, and the only thing I wanted yeah. to do was was go to Berklee. That was like my teenage dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got accepted. Like I did the audition, I got accepted, but there was just too much to go. Uh, yeah. And I, I brought up this story a good amount of times on my channel now, so people are probably cringing at hearing it again. But uh, <laughs> it it the biggest thing that I got from that was that that kind of thing you mentioned where people were willing to yeah, like acknowledge that I had something worth, well, not investing into, but, you know, kind of a similar thing. Where they kind of believed yeah. in what I was doing. And then the same thing happened um with the YouTube stuff, you know, like my YouTube channel took off at one point and I was like, people like watching me talk about stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it opens up a whole new pers- perspective and kind of self-belief. And it makes you feel like if I work hard at anything, yeah. I can I can do it. Like, it's just a matter of time and effort. Yeah. And, and then, you know, a little bit of luck, but mostly time and effort. It um, can't, I mean, you feel like, I feel like kind of a chump saying it, but it's like every once in a while you kind of need that validation to be like, am I just completely yeah. out in left field here or is this doing anything at all in terms of progress for what I want to be doing? Right. Like, so to, to have like one video on YouTube, as dumb as it sounds, like get, you know, a few thousand views within a week is like, oh man, okay. All right, I'm going to yeah. do more of that. This is resonating. All right. Whereas yeah. other people are like, yeah, I hope you're having fun with that little YouTube thing you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I've gotten that a lot over the years. Like, oh, that's, you know, some people don't mean to do it this way, but they'll kind of ask, like, how's the music going? How's the YouTube channel? Mm-hmm. Going? You know, kind of like a almost yeah. a sarcastic question. Um, yeah. And then at some point you're like, well, you know, in your case, you like you're 1,100 subscribers. Like you put 1,100 people in a room. That's a good amount of people. And right. so like 1100 people said yes and then you kind of say that and people are like oh and you get you get some some money from that too and it's like yeah you know yeah. i get this amount per month and it's like yeah. okay you know and then people start to see it as more than just this stupid crackpot <laughs> kind of right. kind of thing um not that it necessarily has to be you don't necessarily have to pull it off any kind of success to just enjoy doing it but it's a yeah you know it's an important part i think because eventually if no one watched you probably just stop making the videos um Un- unfortunately but, yeah i mean if every single video i put up got zero views i'd probably get dejected after a while and be like yeah. you know what like i need i need to be spending my time on things that are productive and this is clearly not <laughs> so. right and and if if your videos are, are doing so bad we're not even you're watching them once then i <laughs> right exactly zero views not even one from yourself <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah that's that's it's awesome that you have you have that experience with bands and and label success too uh but the the cool thing you know when i first found your channel it was through it was through like a marketing video you made a, a video yeah. on playlist promotion and spotify sharing your 
your results, which, you know, for everyone watching right now, there's, there's going to be links in the description and at the end of this video to check out Tom's channel. Um, he has this awesome video sharing his results on, on Spotify playlist promotion. But either way, I, I found his channel, uh, went on, I went on your page, and I saw that you have a lot of stuff on, it's, it's Sound Better, right? Soundbetter.com. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I don't know if you're doing other things as well, but it sounds like that's that's a pretty substantial uh, like revenue source for you. And it's it's super interesting because that's kind of a unique path to like pull off music as a as a career. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, sound better has been a really big come up for me. It was a huge tool that came into my life. It like kind of the perfect time. I, so after the record deal fell through and I was waiting tables, I ended up getting a gig playing for a country artist. And I did that for several years and I got married in 2015 and I just didn't want to be on the road anymore. I wanted to yeah. pour my time into my relationship and be a good husband, especially like out of the gate. So I quit yeah. at the very beginning of 2015 in January and decided I was going to build a studio in my basement. It was a dream I had had for years and I finally did it and took six months to build the studio, didn't touch a drum kit for six months, just kind of detoxed. And when I got done with the studio, I was started producing stuff in town and I found this website called Sound Better. And well, somebody told me about first a website called Air Gigs. So I signed up for Air Gigs. Yeah, I've, I've heard and of that I was, one. Yeah, and then I was like, I'm just going to Google, like, are there any other websites like Air Gigs? So I think that's what I Googled, websites like Air Gigs. And <laughs> Sound Better came up. And I was like, okay, cool. So I checked this out, and it was, like, brand new. There was hardly anybody on it. I was like, oh, this looks dope. This is, like, way cleaner yeah. than Air Gigs and looks cooler. I'm definitely going to sign up for this. And so I immediately applied for premium. There was only one other premium drummer on there at the time. And um, mm. he, his name's Chuck Sabo, I think is how you pronounce his last name. And he's in the UK. He played on all of Natalie and Brulia's records. I'm already torn. You know that song? <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he played on like some Elton John stuff. So he's like big credits. And I was like, okay, well, he's the only guy. So I have to beat him. <laughs> so right, I applied right. for... Like, I'm competitive. I was like, I have to beat this guy. <laughs> so yeah. I, I applied for premium and got accepted a couple months later. They did, like, this whole vetting process. And I immediately just started going to work, like, applying to jobs on the job board. I, at the time, I knew I wasn't as seasoned as him, so I had to set a lower price point, which ultimately helped yeah. me, I think, because it sort of split the pool of people like people who were going for the higher price point were going to choose him and people who were going for the lower price point were going to choose me. And there were all these other right. drummers on there, but we were the only two premium people at the time, which means we were the only two people who could actually like bid on jobs on the job board. And so I went mm. from studio in my basement trying to produce people coming off the road to doing drum tracks all the time. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, this is working. Let's just do this. So I started playing more and more drums on records and, and stopped producing as many people and pretty much just started focusing on drums. And that's when the drum cover thing started up for me. I was like, well, maybe this will be a good idea to bring in clientele outside of Sound Better, well, like on Sound Better, but also just through my website because I do work through my website as well. And I was like, what's a way that can 
grow my following on social media and pull people to my business. Drum covers on YouTube seemed like a good bet. So it it hit kind of all three. I could grow my following, grow my client base, and at the same time, I could potentially get revenue from YouTube if I was able to do it well enough. And at the time, I was like, well... Yeah, it'll be like six months, and I'll like be competing with Matt McGuire. Yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs> of course, I'll you know, I'm gonna kill it. And then you know, I realized <laughs> that growing your YouTube following out of the gate is a lot harder than anyone ever tells you. Like getting from zero to a thousand takes a lot of work, as you well know. Um, yeah, yeah, so, and and you like you didn't just try like ten drum covers either. Like I I just opened no. up your your channel again because I remembered it being a lot, and it's like. You know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. You got like 50 drum covers on here or something. Yeah, it looks like. I did a lot. Um, and it's it's nuts. And then after that, like you went and you're like you, you've put out an insane amount of volume. Like you've only been doing YouTube for, um, well, at least the videos you have published still on yeah. your channel. It looks like the last one you have on there is from three years ago. Well, that's and it. The only of, video I have prior to that is the drum solo that got me the, the gig with the band. And I stupidly deleted yeah. that i shouldn't have but that was the only wow. video i posted before 2017 <laughs> but it's it's great like you got a you got a crap ton of videos and i i think a lot of people yeah. that want to get into to youtube uh don't realize by like by the time you see a youtuber get like you know no you're actually almost up to 1400 you've gained like a lot in the last couple of days yeah um, it's been blowing up <laughs> by by the time that uh you get to a point where like you have a video like that's doing well and people are subscribing it's it's you'll go back and you'll see that like get a couple hundred videos and i think that's pretty common a lot of people don't realize that that it's it's a lot of work to pull off a youtube channel it's it's, yeah it is it's not all um pewdiepie playing games and blowing up (laughs) no it's definitely not it takes like consistent showing up every day and really sucking a lot at the beginning yeah that's that's why i have so many videos in such a short period of time because I was like, okay, I have to get good at this. Again, I'm competitive. I was like, I have to get good at this. And what's the best way to get good quickly? Well, just do it a lot. So I was like, I'm going to start a vlog. I'm going to do a video every single day. All I had was my iPhone. So I just set my iPhone up on a little stand, find my monitors, and just started filming. No microphone, no nothing. Sounded like crap, looked like crap. But I did it every single day. And I learned about camera angles. I learned about frame rates. I learned about color grading which is a nightmare and yeah yeah, like all of that stuff. And eventually I, you know, ended up getting a DSLR and ended up getting a microphone and ended up getting a light. And I now finally have gotten some like practical lighting behind me in my room, which made all the difference in the world. And so it's those little incremental steps. Like if you look at my last video compared to the like first vlog I did, it's a staggering change, but all of that was incremental day in day out from just showing up and doing it right yeah yeah it's I like you scrolling through if you look back to these vlogs it's like they don't look bad in the past but they don't have that kind of like yeah. they don't look like they're professional videos and then you look at your right. videos now and the lighting looks dope like you got looks like you right. got a key light you got you got fill light you got a couple backing lights to get that blue background and yeah uh, it's crazy how much of a difference uh lights do and like you yeah yeah you know people watching we we can't see each other now because we're recording stuff all um high quality on our end but uh if you right. if you saw my lighting you've probably seen in my videos but like i yeah. behind me i got like a blue light that fills in the wall and then like yeah overhead off screen i got a light that just kind of shines in my hair a little bit and then 
There's yeah. a couple lights behind me just to just to give the room a little bit of depth. Um, yeah. And that took, you know, months of trial and error, buying lights, realizing they suck, buying better lights, trying yep. different spots. And yeah, it's it's a yeah. it's a journey. <laughs> you have to be willing to test and fail publicly if you're going to try right. YouTube. That's what's so painful. Yeah. You're like, like, and you can't take it down because then like, if you make a really crap video and then like it does well, you're like, well, dang it. Nah, I definitely can't take this down even though I hate it, but yeah. it has to live in the universe forever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I totally get that, that feeling. Like I deleted some of my old videos uh, that were like, like I think my first video was 2007 or something. Yeah. Um, and I was, in 2007, I was like 15, so I was making stupid, stupid videos that had nothing to right. do with what I do now. Um, but that's that. Aside from that, I've never deleted anything, no matter how much it makes me cringe. Yeah. I try to just pretend it never happened. <laughs> but right, exactly. Uh, so, so you've you've had this, you know, you had this journey getting into sound better, and then you kind of went to YouTube to, to mm -hmm. spread what you do. Um, but there's kind of a period in between doing the label, and doing, you know, you're waiting tables, and then you started doing sound better. Um, yeah how much like how long did it take you to get from being on that site to actually being like i can do this full time like i can i can quit the quit the waiting tables job and just do this how, so i was roughly like I was, the timeline i was in a fortunate position um when i quit touring to start uh my studio i saved up a bunch of money because i knew i was going to quit beforehand and yeah. uh I also married a woman who is insanely patient and incredibly kind and also has a great job. And so she was like, if you're going to take the risk, do it now before we have kids, before we have bills. Like, right. we don't need anything. We have money. You've saved money. Take the risk. So I didn't have to have another job at that point. I was able to take mm. that first year and build my business and defer to my wife to cover more of the bills than her fair right. share and she was super cool and supportive about that and i like no matter whatever success i end up having in my career like i owe her all of it because she gave me that freedom the first year of my business to let me do that if without that it, i mean it might not have happened it certainly wouldn't have happened as quickly so that was a yeah. very fortunate thing for me um so I, 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 I feel like there's only a couple times in your life when opportunities like that come. Like one is, yeah, you, know, you, you have a spouse that can that can be a support mechanism. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, same for like going to college later in life. Like that's kind of a similar situation people do. But and then yeah. the other one is just not being an adult yet. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I, I know people who they're they have a year off before college, or they're in college and they're fortunate enough where they don't have to have to work. Um, there's yeah. only a couple of times in your life where that could happen. So it's good that you were able to like actually utilize one of those. And yeah, your wife you, sounds awesome. Cause that's, that's not easy to is. do either. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta be able to see those moments when they happen and be like, oh, okay, it's time to put the, put the hammer down. I mean, that's one of the reasons yeah. I think that, um, I mean, I've like just recently I've been getting so much more work and my channel has been skyrocketing because I've been, well, like for me, up to fourteen hundred followers. But that's a that's a huge jump from five hundred that it was in March. Because yeah, I that's saw, super fast. Super yeah, fast. I saw this time at home instead of as an opportunity to watch Netflix and play video games. <laughs> I saw it as an opportunity to work my butt off 
and cover some ground. And so I've just been going nuts, working hard during quarantine rather than just like goofing off and being bored. And I get people texting me and sending me stuff all the time like, hey, just to you know help you with your boredom. I'm like, dude, I'm not bored. I promise <laughs> you. I'm working my yeah. butt off. I feel like I, I see that all the time on social media with, with, you know, quarantine now, or I guess not now, but uh, yeah. in the last couple of months, uh, people being like, now that you're bored at home, like right. here's some stuff to do. And it's like bored at home. This is the busiest I've been in my entire life. <laughs> like, yes. yeah. um, and, and for you, you work from home already. So your, yeah. your impact is essentially zero. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a little harder to buy groceries and stuff like that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, I, I'm fortunate enough to work work at a like a, a, a company that yeah. I can work from home very easily. And so for yeah. me, there was very minimal impact. But the side effect is is that you know it, there were kind of two sides of this. There were people that it's it sucked, but they got laid off because their their jobs yeah couldn't keep them. But they kind of had a unique opportunity in life that I bet some people are capitalizing on. They can't work yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. They have all this time. And hopefully they decided to give their dreams a try mm-hmm. instead of just watching Netflix and playing video games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think uh, Harper Lee wrote To Kill a Mockingbird in a year because her friend gave her, I don't remember what it was, it was like 20 grand, and told her, take a year off from work and do what you want to do, write your book, because she knew she wanted to write a book. Wow. And so that's how she wrote it. And then <laughs> like the one that's been going around all the time is... Uh, was Isaac Newton, Newton came up with theory of relativity? Oh, his his, uh, his Principia Mathematica, where he yeah. uh, during the forget what's in that. That's where he defined like f equals ma and and uh, his yeah. momentum rules. I don't, I don't know if you uh, if you have like a background in physics and math or anything. <laughs> I took I took physics in high school and then I took it once in college and I haven't done anything with physics since. <laughs> well, what did you go to college for? Uh, I got a degree in classics and uh, classical civilization and religion. Well, that is a super specific uh, yeah. thing. Yeah, I am Do very, you... my like hobby, <laughs> side project <laughs> hobby, that like my hobby that will never earn me any money is reading about world religions and how they intersect throughout history. And I'm really fascinated by Rome. Yeah. And it's changed from paganism to Christianity and the movement of the capital from Rome to Constantinople. And, like, I'm just fascinated by all that stuff. That's my nerdery. I think it's wow, truly Wow, that's a super... I, I took a course... I took a couple courses. There was, a, it was one called, like, Poverty, Wealth, and Capitalism. There's another one that was World Cultures that went, yeah. went through that in college. It was like a gen ed in college. And that stuff is super, super interesting. I mean, so so one thing with your degree, um, I'd imagine that when you went into that, you did you have any kind of job? Like, do you regret going to school for something that it sounds like it would be hard to to get a job with? Or are you happy now that you have that experience so that you can kind of just pursue it on a, like a passion level? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, because yeah, I, I, I used to see that happen all the time. Like I worked at Starbucks going through through college, and I had a lot yeah. of friends that worked there that they went for some of those degrees that were don't nest, they're not slated for a job. You know, they're kind of these niche yeah, things, 100%. and they're cool. Um, and a lot of them they didn't necessarily regret it, but they kind of kind of did because they 
they're stuck with like a bill. So I'm always curious to hear people's yeah. perspective. See, I'm in a, I'm in a very fortunate position again. Um, I'm, I, I didn't want to go to college. Uh, I knew what I wanted mm. to do, but my, my family was very supportive, but at the same time, like my, my father was very practical and was like, you need to go to college. Yeah. If you're going to graduate from high school under my roof, you're going to go to college. Mm. And so I was like, yes, sir. And so <laughs> I went to, went to college and, uh, he, he was like, I'm, I will pay for it. So I was like, okay. Oh, wow. Well, then, okay. If you want to, if you want to pay for it and you want to send me to college, yes, sir, I will go. And yeah. so I went and so I don't regret it because of that. I don't, I'm very, very, very blessed to not have student loan debt like that. Um, and I will be forever grateful to my dad for doing that for me. And I hope to do that for my kids one day if they try, if they choose that path for themselves. Um, right, right. But I didn't need to go to college, and I kind of wish I could have made my dad see that at the time. Mm. But it was, yeah, it was the time it was. Technology was not what it is now. I mean, I'm 35. Yeah, and that, so that was that was like 17 was, years ago uh, or something. Yeah, it was 2003. I mean, the iPhone was completely. Wasn't a completely different world. It's crazy to think right. of that, that, that only yeah. 17 years ago, the world was entirely That's right. different. So it was, it was incredibly different. And so I, I, I regret, I don't, <laughs> I've never told my dad this. And if he sees this video, he'll, I guess he'll know now, but I've always <laughs> carried a fair amount of guilt for the fact that my dad paid for college for me to get a degree in something that I don't use. But mm. I felt at the time when I was 18, that I was pretty clear about what I wanted to do and he wanted me to go and wanted to pay for it anyway. So yeah. it, I have to be like, well, his decisions are his and my decisions are mine. And we together made a decision that we both chose to do at the time. So I can't take responsibility for his decisions and he can't take responsibility for my decisions. So I shouldn't feel guilty about it, even though I kind of. Yeah. Don't. Like you, you said, you feel feel guilt about that. I don't, you know, I don't think you necessarily should. It just sounds like something that. At the time, that's, you know, it is a good opportunity to go, even if even if you don't, you're not going for, like, the the best, the most profitable thing yeah. that can get you a job. Because, yeah. you know, you still, you, you gained a lot of experience from that. And when people ask, like, what I think they should do for, for college, I've had people reach out and be like, should I go to school for music, whatever? And I usually say, like, you don't need to go to school to do, to do music, like, definitively. I mean, you didn't get a music degree right. and i don't actually know anyone that mm -hmm. does music full-time that has a music degree uh, I, right. I always say go to school for something that is a guaranteed job and then pursue yeah. all your passions on on the, on the side through it and um and that but like if you have a, f a free ride to something and yeah like that's a great opportunity to go for go for something like at least go for something you're passionate yeah. about don't go for something you, you hate <laughs> Right. Well, I had, I mean, I had at the time, my plan was to just go to the business school and, um, I didn't get in. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They didn't let me in the B school. So I was like, oh crap. Well, I got to pick a major. And, uh, yeah. I remember talking to my dad about it and I was like, what, uh, what should I do? And he was like, well, do something you like. Yeah. My dad has always been super cool about it. Like he's not one time has he ever like held it over my head or anything like that. He's the most supportive father. He's great. So yeah, he, 
I, I mean, he would have these conversations with me all the time, and he was great about giving me advice, especially in the form of questions. He would ask me, he would, he could tease out information from me that I didn't know I had. He's always had that ability. Yeah. And so he was like, well, what, what interests you? I was like, well, religion and classics really interest me. He's like, we'll do that. Yeah, that's And he's that's like, and if you still cool. want to business degree then go go get an mba if it's that important to you yeah it's true you can you I can always he, extend whatever degree you get into an mba right and so th then that became my plan i was like well i'll just get an mba after this and then i graduated from college and i was like nope i don't play the drums <laughs> <laughs> that's all i've ever wanted to do yeah and now i don't have to go to class anymore and so i'm just gonna do that so that's what i did nice well it's it's you know it's it's yeah. awesome that it like it worked out you, you kind of had a dream before and you i'm, I'm sure you didn't imagine it would kind of manifest itself in, in the form of doing like recording drums but you you play drums no. for for a living like <laughs> yeah it's weird that's dope I, yeah when i was you get so hung up in the day-to-day like I need to do this thing next, do this thing next. Got to pay my bills. Got to make sure my kids eat. Got to make sure my wife's happy. Got to make sure the power's on. Like all that stuff. If, like I forget sometimes that if I went back to my 15-year-old self in my basement playing drums to Metallica records <laughs> after school every day and said, "Hey, just so you know, this is what's going to happen in 20 years," I'd be like, "Shut up." <laughs> you know, I would yeah. I would have lost my mind. Right. Hey, you're going to play arenas. Just so you know, you're going to get to play in a lot of arenas. Oh, my God, that's so awesome. <laughs> I would have lost it at 15. Right, right. Because I thought, I mean, that was all I ever wanted. I just wanted to play. I wanted to play at Lakewood Amphitheater in Atlanta. And the first time I got to walk on that stage, I had a moment. And I was like, holy crap, I've wanted this for 13 years. I've wanted to do this, and here I am. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's, that's, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Like, that's that's... Like what, what what you've accomplished accomplished is something that I think there are probably tens of thousands of people um, that currently currently want it, and um, yeah, um, it's good that like you you realize that because like I, I think of you know I, <laughs> yeah. I, I I you know I still I still have a day job I don't or a day career um, that I that I enjoy right. and I, but I still yeah I still do all this music stuff as kind of like a night career. Um, and and yeah. whether I end up like just doing music someday full time or not, it's I still I, like at the moment I I think back to what I was doing ten years ago, and I don't think I would have expected any of any of the way things went. Like I never would have expected that it would be anything other than straight up music because I didn't even know at the time that you could. Right. There were other options. Like there's there's sound better. Yeah. That's a completely different way to to do music than uh, being a professional artist. And then being a session mm -hmm. artist is completely different from doing either. And then being being yeah. a teacher is different. And doing courses is different. Selling sample packs is different. And, and that, you know, that's kind of the point yeah. of this, this kind of video series I do is to show people that it's entirely possible to do it in so many ways. And, and yeah. you know, you do this particular niece but you still release music and you just came out with a mm -hmm. song two months ago or so right yeah yeah so that's that's actually like the newest addition to my musical journey is uh actually releasing music 
on my own as an artist because yeah my whole life i've just been the drummer right stick me in the back as long as i don't screw up we're all good and i've enjoyed that tremendously but um about three two or three years ago i think it was three uh my friend vance fight and i started a podcast called the music stuff show and we've done two seasons and we're on our third season now we just kind of like do it when we feel like it yeah <laughs> And so we like take like mad time off <laughs> and we're like, Hey, let's start another season. Um, so we did this, we did two seasons and at the end of season two, I was like, man, dude, I'm a hypocrite. I'm saying all this stuff that I know is true about how to succeed as a musician, things you can do, uh, things you should avoid. And yet here I am like not doing some of them, not being a practitioner about some of them, like not making yeah. the video content that I tell people they need to be making, not putting out songs on a regular basis. And I was like, I have no desire to be this like famous rock star or anything like that. In fact, being famous terrifies <laughs> me, but I need to practice what I preach if for no other reason than to use myself as a guinea pig to say, hey, this is what happened objectively these are the results do what you will with them yeah and so that's the whole reason i started releasing music um we we talked a lot and we still talk a lot on that podcast about fear and mm. overcoming fear and how hitting publish on anything is like the hardest part yeah so i was like i realized how afraid i was to hit publish on music for myself and it took me three four songs to actually sing on anything the first three songs i put out were just instrumental tracks and then i was yeah. like all right i'm gonna sing i'm gonna tune the hell out of it and it's gonna <laughs> be fine but i'm gonna put it out there in the world and then lo and behold it was like hey i'm not as bad as i thought i was right and other people were like hey i like your voice it's like holy crap really yeah this you, is you're cool. actually okay. doing doing pretty good for <laughs> someone who just got into it i mean like just looking at your bio you like yeah. you know you say right there in 2019 you began releasing music under the alias td3 and uh, you you got two thousand monthly listeners, and your song one of your songs is thirty thousand streams. And uh, yeah, you know I it I agree that it's, it's it's that first publish especially is a little bit terrifying. Uh, the yeah the first like I've been doing music for you know sixteen years or something, and you've been doing it for even longer. Um, yeah, I didn't release anything on any like Spotify or whatever until uh, I don't know, two and a half years ago or something uh, yeah because i i just didn't think that it was like there was kind of a fear like this isn't good enough it has to be better it yeah and you know at in hindsight it, it did have to be better well it didn't have to be better it, it sh could have been better should have been better but still yeah. people don't there, there's something to be said for just putting your stuff out and seeing what happens and you'd be surprised what people will like and the the kind of mo the motivation that gives you uh, is mm -hmm. very powerful because now you have someone watching and that means that there's a bigger push to actually improve the quality i bet if right. we went back to your your very first release online it would be much it wouldn't be nearly as good as your last one because you have this driving force of every time i put out a song yeah. it's publicly available for everyone mm -hmm. to hear <laughs> so I, yeah, I listened to the first song I released, Glitch, and I'm like, God, this mix is bad. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I feel the oh exact God. same way when I listen back to the music, you know, two and a half years ago, and then even worse, yeah. the stuff I didn't release. But I still kind of wish I got into yeah. it earlier, just 
just because, uh, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't really hurt you. And it kind of shows a cool journey of growth that I think a lot of people like to see. Yeah, that's one thing that I've had to internalize is that it's more about the journey than it is about having this perfect portfolio of completed work. Yeah. Because that's the thing that resonates with people. That's the thing that resonated with me, with all the creators I watched before I posted a video. Like being able to go to like any, like go to Peter McKinnon's channel and yeah. go back to like the first video he posted. Like he's a professional photographer and videographer. And you go back to the right. first video he posted and comparatively it looks like crap. Yeah. Like, all right, well, if this guy started here, then I can start here too. Okay. Yeah. Cool. This gives me hope. And I think. Something that's the same can be said for Spotify songs, but you don't see that as much. I kind of wish, I mean, maybe I just don't know about the artists that do that, but I really hope that there will be more artists, or maybe I'll discover more artists where I can go back to the first release and be like, Oh, this sucks. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, and they've got you know, two million average monthly listeners now. Like, great, cool, I can do it too. There's some, there's some artists that I know about, like, uh, if you look at like San Holo, I don't know how big you are into the like the. Uh, oh, yeah. I like I like San Holo. He still has releases from 2014, and it's not necessarily like bad. I wouldn't say, and I'm sure he had releases before yeah. that that are on SoundCloud. But yeah, it's nothing like you know his first full album or the stuff he's putting out now. And I don't know if he's deleted yeah. anything. And uh, but there, there's a lot of cases where there's artists, especially in labels, where by the time they're releasing music, they they're kind of already been vetted by someone, right? And they might right. kind of be like, okay, we want your entire profile to be a slam dunk, so we're going to like delete songs yeah. from the past. So I think I think the label thing does that a lot. Like Charlie Puth had to like wash his whole YouTube channel because he had a ton of stuff on there, like music videos and stuff that he just goofing around making. Yeah, and I think they made him wipe a ton of it. And I don't know about Spotify, but wouldn't be surprised if they made him do that too. Yeah. I think it's just a thing that happens. I think it happened to Lizzo as well. She had all these like flute videos and they all like disappeared. Yeah, that that stuff sucks. Uh, but yeah. that's that's If been... I if I ever found myself at the table again with the opportunity for a record deal as myself as, as TD3 as an artist, that would have to be one of the things. Like you don't get to clean anything up. It has to stay. My yeah. audience has to be able to see that I started sucking <laughs> in here because that's important to me. Right, yeah, and I feel the same way. Like, if, if I ever had some kind of major opportunity, it's just, like, there's so much ability nowadays to create opportunities yourself that yeah. as much as you might think you need these people to help you, you really don't. They mm -hmm. need you a lot yeah. a lot more. And, yeah, like, I'd I'd be pretty pretty picky. I'd be like, I would rather have something where it's just, like, I get 100% creative control, but I pay to make the music. I... I pay to mm -hmm. get the album artwork done. I pay to do the music videos and you just distribute and right. and stuff like that. Like there's a yep. couple of bands who have, have done that because, you know, it's yeah. in this social media world where you can blow up on in like YouTube or something or Instagram or whatever. It's a label will often grab an artist because they want access to those fans that they have. Yeah. And yeah. it's uh, not all labels. Like, there's plenty of indie labels and, like, small boutique labels that run completely yeah. differently on, like, a 50-50 split or whatever. And and it's just yeah. per song basis instead of, like, a perpetual, like, three-album cycle or mm -hmm. whatever. But Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Alinium uh, licensed his last record, Ascend, and it wasn't yeah. 
Like he was not he was not released under a label. It was released under him with exclusive license to X label. I think that's what the CMP line says on Spotify actually. Yeah, I, I saw that so there was some news thing that he like switched yeah, under exclusive license to UMG recordings, but it's, it's yep. copyrighted Nick Miller. Um, yep. And, you know, he, yeah. he has that huge audience and he, he has the leverage. And I yeah. I believe he did a lot of this stuff on his own starting off. And then he probably signed something. I, I think he's, I think the first time he didn't mix his own music was on Ascend. And I think that's only a couple yeah. of songs that he didn't mix. I mean, he does, he mixes, masters, produces, plays everything. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of his his music. I actually found out he has... So he does yeah. Twitch streams sometimes. Uh, oh, and cool. he also has a Discord group that I just joined. <laughs> nice. So if, if, I'll have to check if anyone... out. I'm a fan as well. I, I mean, I just uploaded a song today for release in July, and uh, you'll definitely be able to tell I like Illinium mm. <laughs> from this song. Yeah, is it like super future bassy? Yeah, it's definitely future bass, like melodic bass. I don't know, whatever you call it. Like, there's so many subgenres. Yeah, like I, melodic dubstep, melodic bass. I, I hate bass. the subgenre thing and electronic. Yeah. Like my last song, I just picked dance music because I was pick of sick and picking subgenres on. I just I just put electronic when I upload it. Just electronic. Oh, period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotta play with it. It's just like the the subgenres get a little wacky and sometimes nothing matches yeah. up and it's like, is this electronica or or like right. chill, chill wave or whatever, and then it's just like yeah. it's neither really. It's, it's it just yeah. gets annoying. So I just I'm like screw it, dance. This is dance music. How yep. about that? Same. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm with you, dude. But yeah. So uh, you 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 you've gone down the playlist route on mm-hmm. in terms of running your music. Um, yeah. And a couple of things you've tried. You've tried playlist push, and you've tried submit hub, and Mm-hmm. Have you ever gotten into the the like the Facebook ads game or or any any other kind of music marketing stuff to promote your releases? I have dabbled in the Facebook ad game with very limited success, and uh, this was pre discovering your YouTube channel, by the way, which yeah. I am going down the rabbit hole of your videos <laughs> to learn how to do this because I know that you know how to do it. Um, yeah, I've I've tried and failed several times at. Uh, Facebook ads, um, I have discovered, man, that in my experience, going through these playlisting outlets is a great way to like bump your numbers and maybe trip an algorithm. Yeah. But the lasting fan thing is by building equity one person at a time on social media like YouTube and Instagram. Like, I, I can, like, just in the past month since my channel has been growing, I can watch someone comment on a YouTube video, DM me on Instagram, <laughs> and then I can see, I'm, you know, this is a guess, but I can see my follower count on Spotify go up by one. Yeah. All kind of within the same day. I'm like, that's the same person. I yeah, it's. yeah, it's, it's most definitely. Yeah. And so that I think that's the way to do it is to like, like when you get to the point where you're huge, when you're the chain smokers, then... Mm-hmm. You start pulling fans in from everywhere because people hear closer and they go, oh, cool song. I'm going to like and follow and whatever. Right. But early on, for your first 1,000 fans, your 1,000 true fans, you have to start with meaningful actual relationships. And I think that's the thing that is 
like I when before my channel started to do a little bit better, I had like fifty something, fifty five followers on on Spotify, and now I have like sixty seven or something, which is not a massive jump. But within a couple of weeks, I've gotten twelve more people, and I guarantee you, those twelve people are actual people who are actually interested in listening to the next song that I put out, which is yeah. a big deal. Yeah, and if if you only get one new person a day. That's, you know, that's yeah. 365 people per year. And then if you do that for three years, that's 1,000 right. plus people. Uh, and then right. there's kind of there's kind of a somewhat exponential factor to that where as you have legitimate people who are actually engaged, engaging with the music, so they're following you, they're saving your music, they're adding it to their playlist, mm -hmm. that there's, that's where the algorithmic side plays in. So even if you're not using ads... Right. That's the way you do it. And really all Facebook mm -hmm. ads are doing is shaving off a whole lot of years of <laughs> or a whole right. lot of social media posts. Because every piece of content you put out is kind of like the way I think of it is it's kind of like a hook in the ocean. Yeah. Like this is going to yeah. attract a certain amount of eyeballs and a certain amount of those eyeballs are going to convert to whatever I'm doing. So if you put out enough pieces of content, right. you're going to get X growth. Now with, with social media ads, all you're doing is you're just changing that first number, that first impression number. Instead of being at like 300 for a natural organic post, now it's something like 300,000. <laughs> uh, right. So the growth factor goes up. And as long as you're targeting the right people, right. you get the same effect. But you can right. do it entirely organically as you're kind of, you're finding out. Like, uh, you know, getting 12 followers in a couple of weeks is it's pretty good. And you, you didn't even just put out yeah. an album in the last week. If you just put out a new song, you right. would get a, a bigger amount. Like your last song came out right. March 13th, which in the music world in right. 2020 is it's kind of a, a long time ago. It's <laughs> a long time ago, especially with everything that's been happening, the longest year of all time to begin with. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, people, yeah. it, nowadays people want new singles every month. It used to be right. single every three months, album every like year and a half. And now it's that's right. singles every month, album every year mm -hmm. or more. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, you're... That's it. That's I'm glad you brought that up because it's uh, the playlist stuff. It it really it doesn't get people to be f your fans. It causes them to listen to your song and never hear mm -hmm. of you again. Um, right. And that's I do think like I I still want to play with. I, I'm not prepared to make a definitive statement of yes or no on this, but I still want to play with. Like, what if I just went through playlisting stuff and spent enough to trip the discover weekly algorithm what would happen then like right. i had it happen one time but what if i did it like through through more at it and really pushed it and made sure that it stayed up there for two weeks yeah i wonder what would happen then i wonder if you would get actual followers and fans out of that i'm just curious yeah i mean the, like, that's the cool thing about this is um, i do one day it's all a lot of this stuff there's really no science to it it's kind of just test and, yeah. and report um, which is what I've been doing is what you've been doing uh, and yeah. I still do I still go through submit hub and like my new song that came out to well today at the time of filming this um, yeah. I spent fifty dollars in submit hub credits and I got on seven right. seven playlists so I'm not doing no playlists it's just that it's it's right. more like ten percent of my overall budget and like right now the ads i'm running right. on i'm going super aggressive at like 50 dollars a day for the first few days um right 
and to kind of so that the, the playlist kind of supplemented. I have my own playlist, and I'm also a curator on SubmitHub, and so obviously there's some value to playlists. Um, but the I just like lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, the oh yeah, the the, the cost. I, I think what you're going to find, just kind of like a guess, is that you're going to pay a lot more to hit the algorithmic playlist, depending on like the play. If you get a really good playlist with great engagement, it might be better, but yeah. I think you'll spend more just like for reference, like my last song, I, by the time mm -hmm. I spent $200 in ads, it like blew up on release radar, which causes it to blow up and discover weekly. And in mm -hmm. four weeks later, it's at 43,000 streams. Um, Nice. Whereas I feel like if I was using any s playlist service or whatever, I probably would have spent like seven hundred dollars or something. <laughs> like, I feel like I would have paid probably. a lot more. I mean, just out of the gate, you probably and you probably wouldn't have ended up with those numbers. Yeah, was, uh, the, I've never found the engagement to be as high um, on, yeah, on playlists. It's, it's definitely not in my experience. It has always been um, you get the streams, but you don't get the lasting followers and lasting listeners yeah and even the ones that you do they're generally just listening from the playlist that they found you on and don't even know that they found you yeah they just probably have it on shuffle and just like that playlist and they're not i mean i do that all the time yeah. i don't know what artists i listen to i just listen to music on a playlist that i found that's like the vibe i'm looking for right very rarely do i go follow any of them yeah and uh, when i i did a talk with uh Circa from Entrepreneur, so if you know, anyone that's interested in that, uh, click the little I button on the top of the video. Um, <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah. in, in, that, in that call, he brought up the kind of danger that artists are facing where there's a like kind of a legitimate fear that you could end up just as a person on a playlist that's getting a ton of streams that no one ever knows. And for a lot of like yeah. lo-fi instrumental beats artists right now, they're kind of blowing yeah. up in Spotify, but nobody knows who they are and in some cases they're not real people they're just like a label decided to put out some music to generate a right. lot of money and it's right kind of a weird weird world <laughs> yeah that stuff is i don't know what kind of career what your career looks like doing that kind of stuff after 20 years yeah it'd be great it might not be i have no idea but that stuff is like i'm not gonna try to downplay anybody's craft and say it's easy but it's yeah. a lot easier to churn out uh, non-melody-based music without vocals. Yeah. Uh, like, especially, like, lo-fi and, like, ambient music. I mean, ambient music, you just, like, hold a pad <laughs> and maybe try, like, six or seven chords over the course of, like, four and a half minutes. Right. And hit publish. Like, you can do it. And then you, there's tons of playlists that, I mean, I listen to them all the time because I listen to them while I'm, like, editing drums and vocals and stuff in my studio. I'll have, like, very low playing ambient music in the background because I don't like just silence yeah. while I'm doing vocals and stuff. So I'll have that on while I'm editing. And I don't know who those people are. I don't know who the artists are. Right, and you, you probably don't really even want to know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of of no consequence to me. It's like, well, as long as it stays on the playlist. Yeah. Every once in a while I hear a song and I go, oh, I've heard that one before. I'm not going to look up the artist, but I've rec I recognize it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... I've I have a side project that I kind of use as a dumping ground for music that doesn't fit my my brand as yeah. Andrew Southworth releases and I started right. writing songs in that kind of style so that I could test those waters yeah. you know uh, yeah and I, I I have playlists so I started building up a what's it called 
chill low chill lo-fi vibes to relax and study or i started a playlist yeah. and i'm making a bunch of music that fits that genre and i'm gonna see if there's any kind of credibility to to doing that like can't dude you think the exact same way as me i literally <laughs> was planning later this year once i get my legs underneath me with what i'm doing currently once i know that it's surviving just starting like a little ambient side project yeah. purely to test and try things like i want to use it to test playlisting options like just turn out a song try this thing turn out a song try this thing just exactly. to see how they work and report on them and then i thought it would be really cool to go through and upload a different track for every independent music distributor that exists and do a video on every single one of them the upload process and report on it and then be like this is the best one Wow, yeah. So people have been asking me to do that, and I'm just like, yeah. I don't want to do that. So whenever you do that, I'm gonna share. <laughs> so I'm gonna share it. that and tell people to watch it so yeah. that I don't have to do it. Because cool. uh, <laughs> like, I mean, DistroKid is what I've been using for the past three years, and like, I I love yeah. a pet two and a half, whatever it is, and I I, I love it. Um, yeah. And they've sponsored a few videos, and which is fantastic. Yeah. Now. I do have, like, for collaboration releases, it doesn't work out best to use DistroKid because they have the artist slot kind of revenue model. Um, yeah. Whereas, a, a, like, a true primary artist collaboration takes an artist slot. So, for, like, I'm going to be doing some CD Baby releases for collaborations. But, yeah. like, I I just can't be bothered, like, doing that with... I feel like the, the people that are asking for it don't make up a large enough majority of my, my audience, but... Um, <laughs> That's fair. If if you want to do yeah. it, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna share the that's, hell out of that's it. That's why I'm not doing it now. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's... I don't have the time right now, but maybe eventually I'll have the time. So yeah, we we should start a fake artist like collab, and then we'll just uh, we'll that would actually be we'll make great. a network that's of lo-fi <laughs> lo-fi songs, lo-fi ambient. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would be hilarious. Yeah. Like, the only way people know that we've done it is they somehow find this video and they're like, oh, wait a minute. It's those two guys. Like, we don't tell anybody who we are. We're like Daft Punk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I was going to keep my side project a secret, but then on Apple Music, they make you upload a picture with your face on it if you want a thing. Oh, so I was like, man. well, I'll just edit it and reverse it. And uh, who cares? I guess. Yeah. But, Whatever. Yeah. Spotify, it's, it's just a blank picture. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah love it <laughs> all right awesome man so i'm getting near the end of the 30 minute mark here so i think it's probably a good good cool. amount of content for this video um i guess a, a, yeah. a last thing um before we get to the end screen um where should people yeah. find you and check you out and what you got going on um i would love it first and foremost if you would come check out my youtube channel it's very similar to yours um it's you know, a lot of marketing, a lot of playlisting, a lot of just music-centric stuff on how to succeed and a lot of testing and trying and stuff. Um, so that's definitely the first one. It's slash Tom Dupree the Third, T-O-M-D-U-P-R-E-E-I-I-I. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Tom Dupree the Third, and then on Spotify, TD3, T-D-I-I-I, my initials. So I appreciate it. Come say hi. Love to talk to you. <laughs>